I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits its soul's best songs. Faithful and loving service to, to him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. song will be number 125 if you want to mark that. Tonight our scripture will be from Titus chapter 2 verses 1 through 8. But as for you, speak the things which are proper in the sound doctrine, that the older men and sober reverent temperate 
sound in faith and love and patience. The older women likewise, they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, as they have, have they abdomished the young women for the love of their husbands to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, and that the world of God may be may not be blasphemed. Uh, likewise, exhort the young men from sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern in good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be Good evening. Good evening. Wow. You know, one of the best um, ideas I've heard around the, these parts uh, in the last few months was from Mike Weaver. Uh, the, your, your, your lethargic uh, response reminded me of this, and this is why I'm telling you. He said, we ought to have a Sunday morning Bible class for parents where there's just like low dim lights and couches. So we drop our kids off and then we can just read their Bible quietly for 45 minutes, you know, because like, when does that ever happen? <laughs> is everybody being tired? Maybe remind me of like, yeah, we, okay. Maybe we didn't get our naps today. Uh, I know the sun took it out of me today too. So I hope you're doing okay. Uh, tonight is the night that we um, take a moment to invest in our young people, to give them an opportunity to participate in some of our worship. And um, for, the, for the portion of time that we're going to study from the Bible and have a lesson, uh, Robbie and I are going to share that uh, period of time. We're going to talk a little bit about making investments into young people and also the investments young people can make. And to kind of get things started, I want to ask you, uh, you know, to be thinking with me. How many of you, can, can you see what I have in my hand? What is this? Can anybody see this? What do you think? It, it, it's a penny, right? And, um, you know, how many of you, if you were walking down the street and you saw this on the ground, Gordon, yeah, would actually stop and pick this up? Come on. That many of you? <laughs> Lori. Greg, Greg makes you, right? <laughs> right? Tim, you picking these up? No. Now, how many of you are actually discerning and aware, like when you're walking, like looking for pennies, right? Okay. How much is this really worth? One, one cent, right? Uh, maybe less because the copper's out of it now or something like that if you have conspiracy theories or something. But um, Okay, so overall... In uh, the grand scheme of how much money it takes to live in life today, um, you know, maybe what salaries, the average salary is, the, the penny's not really worth that much, is it? It's, um, it, it almost seems worthless. Um, I, I know I actually have uh, the change that I save at my house, you know, when I use cash and get change back. I've got a penny spot and then I've got a silver spot, you know, this is where quarters and nickels and dimes go because I don't really want the pennies to be ruining that really good, you know, um, uh, savings because pennies seem kind of worthless sometimes. So um, I got a proposition for you tonight to think about. When you think about the penny, uh, if I were to offer you right now, today, I would give you, I can give you a check for $1 million today. Let's just pretend I can do that. Um, and you have to decide, I can write a check and you can have a check and you can take it to your bank and you have $1 million and it's yours, free and clear. Or, I can give you a penny. 
And if I give you this penny, uh, you can deposit it into a bank that has a program that this one penny will double in value for just one month. And you get the worth of that at the end of one month. Which one would you take? All right, all right, hold on. How many of you take the million dollar? Guaranteed, guaranteed one million dollar check. You don't have to think about it, you don't have to worry about it. How many of you taking the million? Come on, let's see, Dale's taking the million. Bryce, Bryce raising two hands, <laughs> two mil. Anna, you taking the million. Mary, you want the mil? This is good, this is gonna double in value just for one month. So, so on Sunday it's one penny, on a Monday it's two pennies. All right? So, so those of you, how many of you are going to take the penny? Yeah, you're sniffing this, right? Okay. Now, what if I told you after seven days, you have 64 cents? Still in on the penny? What if after two weeks, I told you you're only up to $81.92? Still with the penny? Rick, you're still in? Okay. Craig? What if I told you after three weeks, you're only up to... $10,000. Guys, we're down to three weeks. You got 10 grand. Any, I'm giving you one last chance. Who's bailing on the penny and going to the million? Anybody? Craig, see, you got to stay strong right now, Pride. I'm in. I'll take my 80 grand and I'm done. <laughs> okay. At four weeks, at, at day 28, you have $1.3 million. And at day 31, you have $10.7 million. One penny doubles in value every day for one month is worth $10.7 million. Now, I don't give you any more pennies. I just give you the one, and it doubles in its value every day. So my point in telling you this story, which is real, uh, this analogy, uh, good luck finding a bank or a program that can actually invest your money that well, um, is this. That sometimes when we think about making investments into lives, whether it's our own life or the lives of other people, to make changes, to see things drastically different. Like most of you, if, I, if you entertain the thought of me you know, stroking a check for a million dollars and giving it to you, and that were real, you would think of your life changing, right? You would start thinking about the way that you could change, not just maybe your immediate life, but um, those around you. Um, and so most of the time we think of hoping for that one million dollar check to come through and then our life just instantly changes. All of a sudden, I go from having nothing to a million dollars and my life's all better. And when, when we're thinking about the lives of young people, um, whether it's their own commitments or the investments we make into them, sometimes we think in terms of just writing checks for a million dollars and hoping to make one lump sum investment to change their life when really investment into people's lives is much more like the penny things that may look meaningless, things that may look like they have little to no value, but when applied consistently over time, have way more value than this one you know, massive investment, so to speak. And so tonight, um, I'm gonna have Rob come up, and Rob's gonna share with our young people some investments that might look meaningless, um, but if applied consistently will have a massive impact on their lives, that they can be um, applying to their own life, making investments into themselves. And then I'm gonna come back up and speak uh, just for a few moments about some investments that our older people can make into younger people's lives. Uh, and hopefully with the idea of how uh, we can make a difference. So I'll let Rob address us now. 
Good evening. Um, before I begin, I'd like to thank the elders, preachers, and the congregation for uh, letting me come and speak. Um, with this all, I hope to, uh, number one, help guide the youth of the congregation um, through my personal experiences and what I've learned. And number two, I hope to show the rest of the congregation um, kind of the perspective of someone in the youth. And hopefully you guys can take a couple things away from this as well. Uh, growing up in the church, it's not always easy, and it certainly has its challenges, but uh, just like any sport or job activity you do, the more you put into something, the more you're going to get out of it. So whether that's a sporting event or a job or any activity you partake in, let's say you give 20 hours a week into weightlifting or learning how to play soccer or even your job. At the end of that time, at the end of that week, you hope to become better at that activity than you were when you started. Now, the same principle applies with just like the church or your relationship with God. So if you're putting time in reading the Bible or, you know, in fellowship or other things, at the end of the time that you've invested into that, you'll become a much stronger person with Christ. Uh, there's three ways that people should invest in the church, as young people should invest in the church, to help them uh, grow and develop more and more as Christians as they're growing up. Uh, these three ways are listening, learning, and trying. Uh, these investments are so significant at such a young age because they help play a key role in developing who these, person, who these people turn into as they grow up. Um, and by investing in such a loving and intelligent group of people as here, it's easy for us to have the guidance uh, spiritually and any other way we need to become those people. Well, so we'll start off with listening. Uh, not just regular listening, we hearing, but actively listening. Uh, so as we, as we have classes every Sunday and, and sermons and Wednesday night, I encourage you guys to actively listen and pay attention to the sermons instead of just, you know, sometimes dozing off or getting distracted. Um, the alternative to paying attention is a boredom or distraction, and if you're spending your time here, you might as well you know, not waste your time and actually try and productively get something out of it. Um, so listening thoughtfully is also something that can help uh, by asking questions yourself, like who is in this passage, or when is this passage taking place, or what is trying to be obtained out of this passage. That can help, uh, develop, help you develop more questions for you to then further take and, and study by yourself. I'm taking notes over topics you may be unaware of and seeking out the answers that you don't know. That's a large, uh, that's a large proportion of like what you take from sermons and, and lessons and even from your Bible teachers in class. Um, all these people who are, are teaching you also, uh, they want what's best for you and they want you to come for them to advice and they want you to actively look and see what they're teaching. And so I, I definitely encourage you guys and myself, of course, to uh, take place in that. The second point I have is uh, learning. Sometimes religious information is, is very hard to understand, whether we're back in the Old Testament reading in the middle of, I don't know, you can think of any book that you just get really dry in midway through. Um, but some of this religious information, you, just, you hear it over and over, and it's not making any sense to you. Um, so I, I encourage you guys, whether whatever passage that's happening, really try to dig into that passage and, and understand what's trying to be said to you, uh, whether the points from the sermons or slideshows or, or even like looking at the scripture and trying to dig into it yourself to understand why was this written, and why is this important for us all to understand? Um, developing a clear understanding of these things, uh, like who Jesus is, who the church is, uh, what the gospel is and its purpose, is a huge investment that, made from a young age, will build up more and more, and then by the time you're in some of the older members' age, you have a strong foundation, and then from there you can also help the younger generation and continue to grow in your faith. Um, a common mistake that uh, we all assume, uh, one for myself uh, mainly, is that Sometimes we think that we know something uh, when actually we don't know something. Um, this mistake is kind of based upon that our assumptions are they're wrong and misguided. And uh, for me, it took some 
self-reflection, understand that this is often caused by laziness, not wanting to go and look in the scripture yourself, but instead of thinking, oh, like, I, I got it. I don't have to go look back at home. Like, I understand the topic well enough. And that's like a deadly mistake because you often miss a lot of information that's useful and helpful for you. Um, another common mistake is just straight not looking up the answers because sometimes people are fearful of wanting to know what the actual answer is. So regarding some kind of topics that are a little like wishy-washy, a lot of people I know just don't look for the answers because it might be against what they actually want to hear. Um, many young people leave the church and lose their faith without actually knowing what the Bible, church, or Jesus is or what he did. Uh, there's much more satisfaction in learning one right thing than assuming we know many things when in fact don't. And that leaves us with an empty feeling of actually not actually having the knowledge. Um, and the third part I have is trying. A lot of things happen in church, and I encourage you guys to take place in as many events as you can, both in events and service. Now, you may feel that some service events, such as you know the table or you know, preaching, isn't right for you. Um, but definitely I encourage you to step in and get active with whatever you can, whether that's nursery or helping out in classes or um, even helping some of the members of our congregation who are older and need help with things around their house. Uh, the key is to ask someone to actively search out and look for people who need help. Or sometimes you can have Gene West find you on Sunday mornings and you have this table. Uh, and there's also the events on the other side of services. So there's, no, and there's a lot of youth events with vision and other things that you know, a lot of the congregation works hard to make for us typically so we can uh, flourish and have fellowship with one another and then grow and have you know, much older fellowship with more people. Um, and I encourage you guys to go to these events because these events will become fond memories that you have in the church with your friends and these friends will, uh, you'll have more people around you who support you when you're, when you're down or need help. Um, invest in these people and, and make the most of these times. But also uh, make an effort not to just go to the events but to be a contributor. Uh, engage in activity and have fun. Um, invest in other people. Show them who you are and, and open yourself up to them so they can open up to you. That way you can have more uh, established relationships. If you ever feel frustrated or, or discouraged in these times with these events or services or anything at all that, that happens, uh, whether it's preaching, you're not understanding certain topics or lessons, uh, there's many people here as elders, ministers, and, and don't just give up or kind of quit. Trust that the people here doing these events and, and teachings are, are here for you and they really want you to grow and prosper. Um, if you could turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 12.1. It's a small verse, but uh, it's well known. It's, it says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the, day, the days of evil come, and the years draw near you, in which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Uh, such a great verse and, and to keep in mind as you're kind of going through like your journey of, of life with the, as a young Christian. Um, and it really emphasizes the importance of uh, having God actively in your life and having an active relationship. So um, I would definitely encourage you to invest in yourself as well by doing some of these things, because all these investments are part of an overall uh, investment that you're making in the future of you. Uh, you're trained to be the person you want to be, you want to be someday, so if you can envision that person you want to be, uh, making these investments now will help you become that person someday in the future. Excellent. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate what Rob had to share with our young people and uh, some investments they can make into their lives. Um, like we were saying, they don't 
sound like the million dollar check kind of investments, but daily investment of things that may not seem as, uh, uh, you know, as surprising or shocking, like trying, um, learning, listening, making those kind of investments will definitely uh, pour into these young people. But what about the rest of us, right? We've got a, a great group of young people that are here. Um, I know there's great uh, fondness uh, from the older generation that they feel towards the younger people that are here. We've got fantastic young people that are interested in um, growing in the Lord, and that's wonderful. So what are some things that we could do as people that are older than them to invest into them that may not be, you know, the big, shiny, million-dollar check, but it might be the little things that can build up over time? Let me give you a couple ideas that, of some investments that older people can be making into our younger people. The first one um, is, is a biblical model we see all throughout the New Testament, and that is just being thoughtful about being an example. Um, the way you live your life has direct impact, first and foremost, on yourself. So the way that you live does set the course and direction for your own personal life, but it has impact on those that are watching you. Um, the young people here are observing. Uh, that, that's how we acquire our social skills and our awareness on how things work. They're, the young people here are watching how Christianity is lived out as an adult, and they're watching us to see what that looks like. Young people are learning what it means to be a man or a woman, a husband or a wife, a father or a mother, a Christian, by watching how people actually do that. They're observing how people do that. Uh, the model that we see Paul talk about so frequently, Philippians 3 is one place where he said it this way, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Keep your eyes on them. Observe them. See how they live. And so uh, we as an older people can be very thoughtful about being the example we ought to be to our young people. Secondly, not only be an example, but we should be an encouragement. We should be people that provide encouragement to young people. Um, growing up as a young person, most of you probably can remember back to that time, hopefully, um, of when you were young. It's an incredibly confusing and difficult time. A lot of things are uncertain. Um, it can be pretty scary uh, being a young person, especially as they get into the transitional years where they're starting to become more independent, yet still dependent upon some things of their parents. Um, we got some graduates that are here now with life bearing down upon them about making some big decisions about maybe where they're gonna go to school or what they're gonna do, um, uh, maybe not go to school, find a career. Those are some really, really um, challenging and difficult decisions and things that they have to make. And so being an encouragement is vital for us as Christians. In fact, the use of our words, Paul said in Ephesians 4, is intended to impart grace and be an encouragement to people, to build them up. You know, the word encourage just means to impart actual courage into another person in a time when they don't have it. And so to give encouragement means to see somebody who might be in need of courage in that moment to maybe uh, stick with what's doing what's right, you know, staying true to what they know to be true, uh, but maybe not have the courage to do that in the moment. So to be encouraging is to give them the courage that they don't currently have. And so we ought to be doing that. Some ways we could do that. Um, I think it most automatically happens in some form of word being spoken or written to them. Um, I still have to this day some cards that I received from some older members in our church when I was 
graduating high school that wrote some really, really important notes to me that, um, you know, I maybe was loosely connected to them. They knew my family and they took some time to thoughtfully write some things to me. It reminded me of the way that James told us how we should use our tongue. In James chapter 3, he tells us that we ought not to use our tongue for cursing, but for a blessing. Now, if there's a word in the Bible that has been brought into Christianity that we just have watered down and really lost what it means, it's the word blessing, right? Like, like to bless somebody is attached to sneezing. Um, it's attached to, you know, dinner tonight when we say a prayer. Like, like, what does it really mean to bless somebody? And when James wrote that we ought not to use our tongue as a curse, but as a blessing, what he was saying was um, to, to, to curse somebody is to observe what they do and speak only to what is wrong about them. What, what it means is like you look at somebody's life and you can see maybe they do some things well, but they do some things they ought not to do and to only speak to them and about them about what they ought not to be doing and say that's who they are. So maybe they make a mistake and you just label them, that's who they are. And to curse that person is to say that's who they are, that's what they are, and, and, and to impart that as their identity. Now on the opposite side, to bless somebody with your words means to look into them and see who they are supposed to be and speak to that person to affirm what's good and what's true and what's right to encourage them to give them the words of encouragement that says this is who you can be this is who you're going to become this is what I see in you that you can be and that alone is one of the most powerful pieces of encouragement older people can give to our younger people to be helping them form their identity in Christ when they're in stages of life, when they're really confused, when their foundation is rocky, understandably so, to have a voice that is above them, uh, older than them, speak into their life and say, this is who you are. And you're valuable, you're worth something because you're a child of God, and here's who you're going to be. And, and for us to do that, we ought to take that very serious when we think about being people who provide encouragement. So we should be an example we should be giving encouragement. Another way that we can invest that doesn't look um, so snazzy all the time, but is one of those penny investments day after day, is our presence, our presence. Um, now, presence might be automatically assumed by those that are closely associated with a person. So, you know, grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, brother, sister, like, like the presence can be understood there. but. Presence by those that are outside of your circle of family is powerful. Start first of all with the presence of people who are here just in our assembly. I can remember still to this day, I can close my eyes and I can go back to the New Concord Church of Christ when it was about 80 members, only two rows in the middle. We had blue upholstered, and from the back, I can list in my head where people sat. Week, I can still to this day where Wanda sat in the back, I can do it right now. But why is that important, do you think, to me? You know, I didn't go to Wanda's house too often and have dinner, you know. But her presence mattered. I saw something in her that was steadfast, like many of the other Christians that were there. And so your presence, first and foremost, just in the assembly matters. But also in their life, you know, being around them. Um, uh, you know, I would say, I heard it said this, and I think this is very, very true, that your best and your strongest ability that anybody ever has is just availability. Think about it this way. If you are the best basketball player on your team, let's say you are 
um, the MVP of your team and the league and the state, and you are just an amazing basketball player, but you're injured. What does your ability in basketball have to do for the team now if you're injured, if you're not on the floor? Does that make sense? So the strongest ability you have is availability, just being present. I want to encourage you to be very thoughtful about um, you know, your commitment to regular events like the Assembly of the Church, but also important event, events. I think you could um, uh, ask some of our young people that have graduated. It matters to them that you come to their graduation parties. That's important to our young people. It matters to them when you hear about special events that are coming up, not just sporting events, but maybe um, you know, the, the creative arts events and some other things that are taking place in their life and being present in them. That, that's really important. So being an example, being a person willing to give encouragement, to, to give courage when that person doesn't have and bless them with speaking into their lives who they are and who they're going to be, and having a presence regularly in the, in the standard events, but also in the special events, all paves the way for the biggest investment we make in the young people, and that's training, teaching. But our training and our teaching is greatly hampered without those other investments. That if we're not an example, and if we're not an encouragement, and we're not really present in these people's lives, these young people's li lives, our ability to train them is going to be limited. And so, I encourage you, after we've really made these investments in building this relationship, we now have the opportunity and the avenue by which we can provide what the Bible calls training. Uh, Kendall read from us from Titus chapter 2 where he talks about the older women training the younger women and the older men training the younger men. Really teaching them what it means to be a man, what it means to be, you know, have integrity in work, what it means to be a good father, what it means to be a present husband. All of those things. Or for, same for the ladies. Uh, our training matters. And most importantly, also in our Bible classes. So these are some ways that I want to encourage our older people. And I say older, meaning if you're not still in the youth group, <laughs> you fall into that category. That's why I didn't do Robbie's talk. He did that part because I'm now in that category. Um, to be an example, not just assuming that you are, but being thoughtful in that. Find ways to be an encouragement. I want to ask you to make that a priority. One card a month, you know, something like that. Like, how can I be an encouragement to one person every month? How can I maybe do something for them just to speak into their life? Overcome the generational fear that exists because that is real. You know, younger people and older people, there's like this gap between us where we get afraid to kind of cross those relational boundaries. Put it upon yourself as the older person to break down that boundary, that fear of relationship, and pour into their life. Um, find ways to be present in these people's lives. And as you do that, you'll have the opportunity. They'll give you the opportunity to bless them in training. You see, our example of investment, investing in people's lives, always and first and foremost comes from the way we see Jesus doing that with us. You see, Jesus, when he looked at us, didn't say, I see a great return on investment in these people. They show some promise. I'm going to go you know, pour into them because I know I'm going to get my money back. He saw us in our worst, knowing exactly what was wrong with us. He saw our shortcomings, but he wanted better for us. And here's what his ultimate investment was. Jesus came into our world, right? Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnation. He became like us, came into our world. Now, 
do the mental jump with me here. Older people for younger people. We've got to come into their world to be willing to do that. To understand their fears, not just mock them. To um, understand their pressures and their challenges and not just roll our eyes at them. But to come into their world like Jesus came into our world. Because none of us can look to heaven and say, Jesus doesn't know what it's like to suffer like I suffer. We can't say that. Because he wore flesh like we wore flesh. And he suffered like we suffered. And he was willing to come into our world and suffer that way. And we got to be willing to come into these young people's world as Jesus did for us. The other thing Jesus did was he absorbed our pain. He came very near to us and absorbed our pain. He walked with us in that. We've got to be willing to do that with our young people. When they're hurting, be willing to walk with them when they hurt. Absorb their pain, not lashing back or lashing out, but walking with them as they walk through some very difficult moments in their life. Jesus restored our true identity. His salvation is not just this golden ticket that kind of hangs out there as if uh, you know, you're a lost sinner and here you just get the Willy Wonka chocolate factory visit. Good luck. That's awesome for you. No, no. When his salvation is a restoration of your true identity. And as we come into these young people's world, when they're oftentimes confused, broken, struggling, hurting, absorbing their hurt and restoring their true identity, that they're a child of God and they're meant to live like him and reflect him. We ought to be doing that. And ultimately, Jesus came into our world, absorbed our hurt, restored our identity, and he loved us unconditionally. We learn how to invest in young people by just simply looking at how Jesus invested in us. And anyone who has ever received the true investment of Jesus, who has not just played church or been religious, but have really sat down in humility, understanding their great need, and received the investment of Jesus, I can tell you their life is different. All for the better. And I believe the same will be true for our young people if we, like Jesus, look to their lives to invest in them, to pour into them, to help them, to care for them. Their lives will change as well. If Jesus has not been... Um, if his investment has not been one that you have received, we most certainly always make that opportunity available for people tonight, whether you're young or old, uh, Christian or not Christian, the opportunity to receive the investment of Jesus to see your life changed so that you can be a blessing to others is available now. Let's stand and sing.